On a humid afternoon in Havana, Cuba, a party gathered on a waterfront balcony, cocktails in hand. The smell of cigars wafted through the air. In the center of it all stood the party's host, Death Row Records CEO, Suge Knight. But Knight paused everything to welcome a special guest to the festivities. He had a shaved head, mustache, and goatee. It appeared to be a moment of reconnection. From the street below, paparazzi snapped pictures, eager for insight into such an exclusive gathering. But the photographers couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was 2004. Tupac Shakur had been dead for eight years. So why did he appear to be alive and well? Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a ParCast original. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Conspiracy Theories for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Conspiracy Theories in the search bar. This is our second episode on Tupac Shakur, the rap superstar who was assassinated in Las Vegas in 1996. Last week, we discussed the official story, Tupac's rise to fame, his relationship with rapper Notorious B.I.G., and the final hours before his death. This week, we'll discuss some of the alternative theories about Tupac's fate, two of which say he never died at all. Conspiracy theory number one. Tupac's death was orchestrated by Death Row Records CEO, Suge Knight, because Tupac threatened to leave the label. Conspiracy theory number two. Tupac faked his own death to escape fame and is currently living in Cuba with his aunt, Asada Shakur. And conspiracy theory number three. Tupac faked his own death, much like Renaissance philosopher Niccolo Machiavelli. He did it to heighten his legacy, and he now performs as rapper Casanova the Dawn. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened, I'm okay, other people have it worse, it doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd started to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest. 
with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. In 1991, Tupac Shakur released his first album, Tupacalypse Now. The album was met with equal parts awe and criticism. His controversial lyrics upset politicians, like U.S. Vice President Dan Quayle, but they also inspired the black community, calling for action against racial and social injustice. Unfortunately, Tupac's stardom came at a price. After multiple police altercations, sexual assault allegations, and a feud with rapper Biggie Smalls, Tupac was murdered at the young age of 25. The police did little to investigate his murder, and the case still runs cold today. But the man most blamed for Tupac's death is Orlando Anderson. Anderson was a member of the Los Angeles Crips and is thought to have organized a hit on Tupac the night he died on September 7, 1996. But there is evidence to suggest that at the time of his death, There was tension between Tupac and Death Row Records CEO Suge Knight. Which brings us to our first conspiracy theory, that Suge Knight had a hand in Tupac's murder. In 1995, a year before his death, Tupac signed a contract with Knight's record label, Death Row Records, while still in jail. Knight was a powerful and well-respected businessman. He built his multi-million dollar company from the ground up. But he also had ties to local gangs, like the mob Piru Bloods. Though they didn't know each other personally, Tupac knew Knight had the money and motivation to bail him out of jail. Knight was looking for the best artists, and in 1995, you couldn't get much bigger than Tupac. So Tupac reached out to Knight through a mutual connection. Knight then visited Tupac in jail, and the two struck a deal. Knight offered the rapper $1.4 million for Tupac to make Bond. In exchange, Tupac would sign with Death Row Records. They created a contract on the spot. It was handwritten and only three pages long. Much of what is included in that contract remains a mystery. But we know Tupac was responsible for producing three albums with Death Row Records. And Tupac wouldn't see any royalties until at least 180 days after each record's release. But at the time, Tupac didn't care. He signed his name. 
Immediately upon his release from prison, Tupac made his first death row album titled All Eyes on Me. It was a two-disc record that went to market in 1996 and made $10 million in its first year. But Tupac didn't see any of the profits. Keeping up his end of the contract, Tupac continued to produce new work. By August of 1996, he wrote and recorded his second and final album with Death Row Records, The Don Caluminati, The Seven Day Theory, under a new persona, Machiavelli. According to some sources, once finished with his three contracted albums, Tupac expressed interest in creating his own record company. Death Row may have gifted Tupac some luxury cars and paid for his hotel rooms, but his bank account was cripplingly low, especially with so many legal bills. At the time of his death, Tupac's bank account had just $100,000 in it, despite his multiple platinum albums. And after his passing, Death Row Records went after Tupac's estate for $4.5 million. Those luxury cars and hotel rooms? Well, apparently those weren't gifts, they were recoupables. Recoupable expenses are essentially zero-interest loans. They're costs that are fronted by an outside party and are expected to be paid off in full. In this case, the outside party was Death Row Records, and whether he knew it or not, Tupac had a lot of recoupables. Some of them appeared to have nothing to do with Tupac. Malibu homes rented by the label, repairs on a Porsche owned by Death Row Records, and a $3,000 American Express bill for Suge Knight's wife. Whether Tupac realized the gravity of his financial situation before his alleged death, we'll never know. But Tupac knew that Knight had been charged with robbery, assault, and murder before. In 1987, Suge Knight was charged with domestic violence. On Halloween of that same year, police arrested Knight for carrying a concealed weapon, committing auto theft, and attempting murder. The judge sent him on his way with a $1,000 fine and three years probation. In 1990, Suge Knight reportedly attacked rapper Vanilla Ice and threatened to have his men hold him upside down off the balcony of his 14th-story hotel room. Apparently, Ice owed one of Knight's songwriters some royalties. Knight supposedly arrived at meetings armed and often threatening his employees and enemies by hinting at his ties to the violent gang, the Mob Pyru Bloods. In 1992, Knight was charged with assault and put on five years probation. In fact, on September 7, 1996, when Knight and Tupac attacked Orlando Anderson in Las Vegas, he broke that probation. And a month after Tupac's death, Knight was sentenced to nine years in prison for the violation. Knight had proven to be a bit of a loose cannon. According to an article written by Jesse Washington, a reporter for The Undefeated, Tupac approached Knight a month before his death. He told his manager that he wanted his career back. The two had an argument over Tupac's lack of royalties. Tupac then threatened to leave Death Row Records to start his own label. At the time, Death Row represented other famous artists, including Snoop Dogg, but Tupac was by far their biggest moneymaker. They stood to lose a lot if Tupac took back ownership of his music, 
even more if he left entirely. In a 1996 interview with MTV News, Knight denied that Tupac ever wanted to leave. He insisted that Tupac loved death row and would have cursed someone out for suggesting otherwise. Perhaps Knight was telling the truth, or perhaps he was overcompensating. On September 7, 1996, Knight insisted on driving Tupac to Club 662 himself, alone. He told all bodyguards to follow them in a separate car. The streets were packed with tourists, and yet the shooters somehow easily found their target. Almost as if they were informed of his exact location. The shooter was believed to be a member of the Crips, but LA Times reporter Richard Winton suggested that Suge Knight had close ties to law enforcement and the FBI. And since Tupac's murder went unsolved, some have suggested that maybe the police conspired with Knight to have Tupac murdered. Tupac's very public distaste for law enforcement might have been enough to convince them to help. There are different versions of the theory. Some suggest the police approach Knight, others suggest the opposite. Of course, beyond circumstantial evidence, there's essentially no proof to support any of it. Knight denied any allegations. He insisted that he tried to save Tupac. Though it is a bit strange that the police never investigated Knight's involvement in the crime scene. Sure, but Knight was also a victim of the shooter. He quite literally had a bullet wound in his head. Knight appeared to be a victim. All leads pointed to Orlando Anderson, especially after the altercation in the MGM hotel. Still, this wouldn't be the last time Suge Knight would come under suspicion for having a hand in a celebrity rapper's death. LAPD detective Russell Poole led the investigation into rapper Biggie Small's murder in 1997, just half a year later. Detective Poole believed that Knight might have orchestrated Biggie's death to distract investigators from looking into Tupac's murder too closely. Apparently, Poole had reason to believe Knight kept corrupt LAPD officers on his payroll. The LAPD's Rampart Division was involved in a corruption scandal, including unprovoked shootings, planting false evidence, and narcotics dealings in the 90s. But there are a few problems with this theory, the primary being it's all speculation. There's no hard evidence that Knight had ties to the police. Sure, the members of the LAPD Rampart Division were proven corrupt, but in a separate case that they were tried for. Also, Knight was in prison at the time of Biggie's death, making it difficult for him to orchestrate a murder. But not impossible. In the end, Suge Knight did have motivation for getting rid of Tupac. He was death row's biggest source of income, and he was threatening to leave the label. As long as Tupac stayed with the label, even if it was posthumously, Knight could profit off of him. With a history of violence, it is not implausible that Knight placed a hit on Tupac, but it would have been a major escalation. Given the lack of evidence, I'd say it's highly improbable. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being almost a fact and 1 being completely disproven, I give this theory a 2 out of 10. Knight was Tupac's friend. Officers reported that Knight seemed genuinely concerned for Tupac the night he was shot. Not to mention, Knight was a victim of the shooting himself. 
an inch or two difference and that bullet could have been fatal. So I also give this theory a two out of 10. We don't think Suge Knight did it, but there are still plenty of discrepancies surrounding Tupac's death, including bizarre sightings of the late rapper around the globe. Coming up, sightings of Tupac in Cuba and beyond. Now back to the story. Some conspiracy theorists believe that Tupac Shakur's manager, Suge Knight, might have had a hand in his 1996 murder. We think that's highly unlikely. But not every theory is as easily dismissed. Officially, Tupac died at the University Medical Center of Southern Nevada six days after the Las Vegas shooting. But ever since, there have been alleged sightings of the renowned rapper across the world, many of them in Cuba. Which brings us to our next conspiracy theory. Tupac never died. He escaped to Cuba to live with his aunt, Asada Shakur. Jim Morrison, Elvis Presley, it's not uncommon for theories to crop up suggesting that a celebrity might have faked their death. Most of it can be chalked up to fans desperately clinging to the possibility that their idol is somehow still out there. But Tupac? Well, there might be more to his posthumous sightings than meets the eye. To properly explore this theory, we should start with a little background on Tupac's family. Tupac's aunt and mother were both members of the black civil rights group, the Black Panthers. Founded in Oakland in 1966, the Black Panthers intended to patrol black neighborhoods and protect them from police brutality. They also provided community service programs to offer food, clothing, and transportation to those in need. Over time, their goals expanded. They advocated for total freedom from the oppression placed on them by white America, demanding systemic change and not only equal rights, but true equity. Afini Shakur, Tupac's mother, was a member of the Black Panthers. In 1970, she was falsely accused of a plan to bomb a block of New York City department stores. Without a law degree and pregnant with Tupac, Afini defended herself in court. She spent two years in jail before being acquitted and found not guilty. Various members of Tupac's family were also involved in another group, the Black Liberation Army. It was composed entirely of former members of the Black Panthers. Their goal was to, quote, take up arms for the liberation and self-determination for black people in the United States. In 1973, Tupac's aunt, Asada Shakur, and several other Black Liberation Army members were stopped on a New Jersey turnpike by state troopers James Harper and Werner Forrester, supposedly because of a faulty taillight. Minutes after they were pulled over, shots were fired. Soon, everyone but Asada and State Trooper Harper were dead. Though all of her comrades were murdered, only Asada was charged with murder, while the cop left scot-free. In 1979, Asada escaped prison with the help of a few other members of the Black Liberation Army who posed as visitors. They then helped smuggle her to Cuba. She had served two years of a life sentence. To this day, Asada has a $2 million reward for her arrest in the United States. 
but she's lived in old Havana under asylum ever since. So when Tupac was supposedly spotted in Havana, theorists went wild. It started to click. Tupac had faked his own death to escape the limelight and joined his aunt in hiding. Before we analyze those mysterious sightings, let's go back to the night of Tupac's shooting. A critical element of this theory is his bulletproof vest, or lack thereof. Some suggest Tupac's decision not to wear his vest implies that he knew the shooting was going to happen. Tupac had worn the vest at every public event since the Quad Studio shooting in 1994. And yet, on a night following a heated fight with a Crips gang member, he left the vest at his hotel. Tupac also told his bodyguard to ride with his entourage in his fiancé's car that night, perhaps because he didn't want his bodyguard to interfere in his plans. Maybe he knew something was coming and didn't want Kidada to be put in harm's way. There's also a variety of conflicting reports of Tupac's health during his final six days in the hospital. Chris Carroll, the officer who rode with Tupac in the ambulance, claimed that Tupac lost consciousness immediately after he pulled the rapper from the car. But Suge Knight claimed that Tupac was coherent and that the two joked together in the ambulance. In Knight's version of events, Tupac was awake and well under the circumstances each time Knight visited the hospital. Kidada Jones also said Tupac regained consciousness during those six days. Allegedly, he awoke after she played him Don McLean's song, Vincent. It was one of Tupac's favorites, and he opened his eyes for a moment when he heard the tune. It was brief, but it was a sign of life. Additionally, members of Tupac's entourage, including the videographer for Death Row Records, stood guard outside Tupac's room for the next six days. So if he wanted to fake his death, Tupac had accomplices at the ready. According to the official story, Afini Shakur made the difficult decision to pull the plug on her son's life on September 13, 1996. Tupac was cremated the next day in a $3 million private ceremony paid for by Suge Knight. But the cremator who filled out the coroner's report had some very important information wrong. First, the height and weight did not match Tupac's driver's license. In the coroner's report, Tupac was allegedly listed as being six feet tall and 215 pounds. On his driver's license, it described him as being 5'10 and 168 pounds, which is not an insignificant difference. And this size misinformation was never investigated. It's said this is because the cremator disappeared after filling out the report and was never heard from again. Then in 2018, a 56-year-old British man named Michael Nice released a video that told a whole new story. Nice claimed to be a former bodyguard of Tupac's. He insisted the rapper was only injured in the Las Vegas shooting. And that evening, Nice helped perform a body swap at the hospital. Nice and his associates replaced Tupac with a look-alike, then they smuggled him to Cuba. Nice doesn't go into detail on how the switch was made, but he did make a compelling argument. Nice claimed he was part of a security team for the Black Panthers in the 1990s. The Panthers heard that the Crips had placed a hit on Tupac 
and knew he would be targeted the weekend of the Mike Tyson fight. It was clear that Tupac wasn't a huge fan of the media attention he received, especially after his numerous court cases. He could have faked his own death to avoid the Crips and the media. It would have been killing two birds with one very dramatic stone. According to Nice, his security team entered the Las Vegas hospital and performed the switch there. They disguised Tupac as a co-pilot and took him to a secret meeting place. Then they boarded a plane to Barbados, an island in the West Indies. From there, Tupac would continue on to Cuba, escorted by Michael Nice's brother, Johnny. If Nice did help switch the bodies, this would explain the discrepancies on the coroner's report. But it would have required Tupac's closest companions to be involved as well. To connect those dots, many believe Suge Knight was involved in the escape. Tupac not wearing his bulletproof vest and Knight escaping the scene relatively unharmed might just suggest they were in on it. They did make sure they were alone in their car. Knight even publicly acknowledged the possibility that Tupac may still be alive. As for Tupac's fiance and mother, if they believed he was alive, they never expressed it publicly. Nice, on the other hand, claimed he had audio and video footage of Fidel Castro, Cuba's communist leader, sanctioning the operation to smuggle Tupac to Cuba. Before Nice could release this evidence, a report aired on Nice's YouTube channel. This video claimed that Michael Nice was found dead in his car on December 18, 2018. Just a month after his initial video was released. And as it turns out, Nice had faked his own death. Because in 2019, a year after his disappearance, Michael Nice was back again with another video. He claimed he needed to evade enemies, but now was in a safe place to resurface with the truth. Nice also claimed he wanted to prove that he could fake a death. He reportedly used his connections with ambulance workers and funeral homes to arrange his own body switch and ultimately escape, proving he had the power to do the same with Tupac. But Nice isn't the only one saying Tupac is alive and well in Cuba. There's plenty of photos and videos that show Tupac, or a perfect lookalike, partying all over the world with celebrities. Coming up, we'll rate our second theory before diving into the idea that Tupac may be out there performing as Casanova the Dawn. Now back to the story. In 2018, a man who claimed to be Tupac's former bodyguard, Michael Nice, took to the internet to announce that he'd help Tupac fake his own death and escape to Cuba. On top of that, there have been multiple sightings of Tupac in Cuba in the years following his alleged death. For one, in the early 2000s, a blogger who goes by the name Hollaback posted a video of two men chatting in a Cuban parking lot. One of them looked identical to Tupac, so the blogger snapped a photo and posted it. The headline proclaimed, Tupac was alive. Hollaback claims that the rapper glanced at the camera, but didn't seem bothered by the photo. One would think that if this was Tupac, 
he wouldn't have taken the photo op so lightly. In 2004, another video was released showing men that resemble Tupac and Knight talking on a Havana balcony. Knight was out of prison by this point, but all that is shown of the supposed Tupac is the back of his head. And the quality of both videos is blurry. Not to mention, the videos could have been taken before Tupac died and just posted to get some views. But in a 2010 interview at the Underground Music Awards, a reporter questioned Tupac's friend Treach about the rapper's death. Treach said that the last time he saw Tupac was in Cuba. Granted, he didn't provide a date. In 2018, a photo surfaced of Tupac partying with pop star Rihanna in a Cuban nightclub. Tabloid sites like The Mirror published the image, but the photo was later debunked. It had been edited. The photo of Tupac was from the 90s. Rihanna was never with him. She'd been photoshopped on top of rapper Yolanda Yo-Yo Whitaker. Although there are numerous reports of seeing the star around Old Havana, the Tupac sightings aren't limited to Cuba. There are photos of Tupac in a yellow hoodie attending the 2011 Occupy Wall Street movement and photos of him at the BET Awards in 2014 with Snoop Dogg. Edited or not, real or fake, the subjects of each photo bear an uncanny resemblance to the late rapper. But one of the most validating claims was made by Suge Knight's son, Suge Knight Jr. In 2018, he posted on Twitter about running into Tupac in Malaysia. The posts contain an image of Tupac, 50 Cent, and Beyonce. Suge Jr. claimed that Tupac was still alive and making new music. He then posted a screenshot of a text from an anonymous sender who threatened him for revealing the information. It read, You've said too much. It is time for you to go. Knight Jr. then tweeted he was being chased. Some theorists claim that Knight Jr. may have been referring to the Illuminati, a secret society aimed at creating a new world order. Many celebrities, including Beyonce and Jay-Z, have been rumored to be a part of the Illuminati. Tupac learned about the Illuminati himself while in prison, but he hated the idea of the elitist group. In fact, the title of his final album, Killuminati, is a reference to his desire to end the group. Near the end of 2018, while promoting his new reality show, Suge Jr. finally admitted that his claims were a hoax and conceded that Tupac was dead. But he had gained 200,000 new Twitter followers in the two days following his first post. It was a promotional stunt. And attention seems to be the motivation behind a lot of fabricated images of the late rapper. Most of the materials can be attributed to Photoshop or a lookalike. But you can't deny that there are some strange discrepancies in Tupac's height and weight on the coroner's report which does support the theory that Tupac was involved in a body swap. And the way Michael Nice faked his own death makes a convincing argument. But if Tupac did know what was going to happen the night of September 7th, then wouldn't he want to wear his bulletproof vest? Especially if he knew shots were going to be fired. We did some digging, and Nice never really clarified that part of the story. He also never released the alleged video of Fidel Castro sanctioning Tupac's smuggling. That said, 
There are too many holes in this narrative to form any sort of convincing argument. I have to give this theory a 3 out of 10. I'll agree with that. But the Cuba theory isn't the only one that suggests Tupac is still out there. Some fans believe he's not only alive, but making music under an alter ego. Which brings us to our final conspiracy theory. To honor the philosopher Niccolo Machiavelli, Tupac faked his death and is now performing as rapper Casanova the Dawn, all in an effort to curate his legacy. In 1995, Tupac was sentenced to nine months in prison for sexual assault charges. Already an avid reader and lover of literature, Tupac picked up Niccolo Machiavelli's book, The Prince, to help pass the time. Machiavelli was a Renaissance philosopher and politician famous for his brutal ideas on war and power. He believed that you can't judge a ruler on the basis of morality and that a cruel and immoral leader is not necessarily a bad one. He also believed that no one should gain power by the virtue of being good. Instead, it's a leader's responsibility to get power and maintain it. After Tupac left prison, he started calling himself Machiavelli. That's spelled M-A-K-A-V-E-L-I. Like Machiavelli, he had a lot of enemies. But Tupac also related to the ideas of power presented in The Prince. Tupac's Machiavellian beliefs were present in his posthumous album, The Don Killuminati, The Seven Day Theory, which he released under his new name of Machiavelli. The album has clear themes of war and ruthlessness. He directly addresses some of his music industry rivals, like Sean Puffy Combs, Biggie, Mob Deep, and other associates of Bad Boy Records. It's also known that Machiavelli believed faking one's own death was the greatest way to gain power over one's enemies. He thought that survival is based on a person's ability to determine their own destiny. If one could convince their enemies that they were gone, then they'd have the ultimate power over their own fate. They could no longer be harmed by their rivals. So if Tupac was taking Machiavelli's words literally, maybe he did fake his own death. Tupac's final album is actually what sparked most of the early theories he was still alive. Not only did the songs reference Tupac's future death, but the album art depicted an image of Tupac on the cross. As is told, Jesus Christ came back to life after three days. When Tupac died after his six-day coma, many believed he too would rise from the dead. But it wasn't just the Don Killuminati album that foreshadowed his death. His album All Eyes on Me, which came out after he adapted a Machiavellian mindset, alluded to his fate in the song Ain't Hard to Find. I heard rumors that I died, murdered in cold blood, traumatized pictures of me in my final states. You know mama cried, but that was fiction. Some coward got the story twisted. The interesting part about this section of lyrics is the final line, but that was fiction. Some coward got the story twisted. These lyrics could refer to the likelihood that his death would get twisted out of proportion. Or it could be referring to his death being fiction to begin with, meaning it's possible Tupac was never really gone. To further this theory, 
Suge Knight stated that during a trip to Hawaii in August of 1996, Tupac mentioned faking his own death. Tupac had little time to do things he enjoyed, and his trip to Maui reminded him what life was like away from the limelight. Maybe he came to believe that living a quiet island life was worth faking his own death for. But the most interesting piece of evidence for this theory is on the inside cover of the Don Killuminati, the Seven Day Theory album. It reads, Exit Tupac, Enter Machiavelli. Here, Tupac's spelling of Machiavelli is very interesting. When the letters are rearranged, it becomes an anagram for Am Alive K. Some think K is short for OK, but fans across the internet have pieced together the idea that K stands for Casanova the Don, a rapper who is actually Tupac in disguise. Casanova's voice bears an uncanny resemblance to Tupac's, and Casanova has quoted the singer as one of his greatest influences. On the cover of Casanova's 2010 album, Two-Face Mixtape Volume 1, he's wearing a Tupac mask. Then in 2017, Casanova released his song, Mystery Part 1, which described the Las Vegas shooting from Tupac's perspective. It's been 16 years, still stuck in the dark cage, living in my mind of that fateful day. 9796, I remember it like it was yesterday. The song describes the shooting in uncanny detail, with many of the lines referring to the theories that Tupac is alive. How the media said that I died, but I'm still breathing. Who do you believe in? Everything that was said is a lie. See, listen. Then in 2018, Casanova released a second part to Mystery. He described the events after the shooting and debated if he should go to Cuba or Jamaica to hide. Since Tupac had supposedly been sighted in both of those countries, it's possible that Casanova the Don was just capitalizing on those theories. As an underground rapper, Casanova certainly garnered plenty of attention from the connection to Tupac. Casanova's voice matches what people believe a middle-aged Tupac would sound like. But Casanova says he comes from a poor family in Newark, New Jersey, and was born in 1987, which means he would have been nine years old when Tupac died in 1996. And as far as we can tell, Casanova looks his age, meaning too young to be Tupac. And Casanova, whose real name is Antoine Garner, has said explicitly that he's not Tupac. Aside from the rumors, there's virtually no reason to believe Casanova is the late Tupac. Tupac's album artwork, his name change, and his love of Machiavelli may be good enough reasons for some, but for us, there's not a lot of substance to the theory. We'll give it a three out of 10. As of now, Tupac's death still remains a mystery. With no living suspects, no new witnesses, and a slew of theories, it's possible Tupac's had us fooled for decades. But if Tupac did die in 1996, he left us with powerful words to remember him by. Death is not the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss is what dies inside while still alive. Never surrender. 
Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back Monday with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Conspiracy Theories, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Conspiracy Theories on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Conspiracy Theories in the search bar. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Taylor Bright, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. 